You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Podcast 750. 750. 750. Yeah. And, and this is one of the scary ones because at the 50 intervals, <laughs> we do not only just questions, because all these live ones are questions, but we do non-car questions. This is a little, oh, yeah, it, it is scary. Well, <laughs> before we dive in, we just released today's video on our main YouTube yeah, channel, yeah, yeah. which is a comparison of the GR86, but we also brought with us a very highly tuned GT86, the first mm-hmm. generation, and a Porsche 944 Turbo S. You had no fun at all. It was no fun at all. So terrible, that is terrible day. just released, just wanted you to know about mm-hmm. it, but let's dive in. I say grab some questions and do it. Let's, We've got a ton of them already. I should say this, cool. though, as we start, a couple things going on. Welcome to our timeshare discussion. No, actually, it, it's going to be better than that. It, <laughs> just Christmas, a short timeshare presentation. Coming. Christmas is coming and you're going to ask us about stuff for your car people in your life. Yeah. We do have five feature films. I have a novel. We have t-shirts. And starting next week, a new t-shirt every week being released on Blipshift from us for the next few weeks. We're actually starting with some new ones. There's a <laughs> there's a cone that says, I'd hit that for all you <laughs> autocrossers out there. And then there's other great ones coming up. Some of these will be returning. So if you're looking for Christmas gifts for the car people in your life, this is as close yeah. to Christmas as we'll actually do this. So we thought we'd mention that. Please note that. The other thing to note is that you and I are about to go to Austin. Yeah. Thanks Texas for bringing that up. meetup. Yes. Thank you. We've got a planned meetup on November 18th. That's a Friday evening in Austin, mm-hmm. 2022. And you can find all the details on our website. So if you go to everydaydriver.com, the adventures tab there, there's an uh, Eventbrite uh, information. You can sign up there and uh, find all the details. So we're coming in mm-hmm. at the tail end of our fourth Cars of the Past trip. It's so cool. And this will be a catered barbecue dinner, and uh, we want to see everybody. So if you're in the Austin area, if you're in Texas and you're nearby yeah. and you're able to make it, we'd love to see you. Yeah, it will be just that night. Keep in mind, it's going to be a kind of a little bit more intimate setting. We're going to be at, at Andrew's really cool color cartel. We've done a podcast, yeah. uh, car debate from a while yeah, back. He's a good to get into his Lotus. So he's got a really cool, uh, really cool stu- studio, and he does graffiti all over town and uh, like hired graffiti. So he's also doing a graffiti class. If you'd like to do that, you can do just dinner or the graffiti class. I'm excited about it you got to come we're gonna it'll be the end of that trip i hope so let's do things that are uh, that are other things mandy is congratulating us on nice shirts that because mandy makes sure we have nice (laughs) shirts so i should acknowledge that yes yes I'm jumping in. We've got watch questions, especially over on Discord. I, I'm so glad you saw that. You, you it, was a, it was a question with photos. Yes. So now I'm, I'm really going to zone out. Handy, yeah, for sure. handy uh-huh. reference. Uh, I'm diving into R. Diamond's question here. First off for me, about design. And R. Diamond says, asymmetry in a person's facial features often makes them more attractive. Is there a corollary in design where some imperfection makes the whole more attractive? You know, it's not something that I ever really had time to explore. And especially coming from, I'll give you an example, furniture design, imperfections were never really, uh, I'd say, emphasized. And especially for brand new products, it's hard for customers. I mean, think about the stuff that you buy brand new. You don't necessarily want an imperfection. You would only tolerate that in an art piece or in a gallery showing. So if you, I suppose asymmetry is interesting and you know in design school you always say asymmetry is overrated you always strive for something different asymmetry but we are starting to see car manufacturers do that but in product design you don't really want imperfections you want 
an excellent design, perfectly rendered, a perfect copy of that. But imperfections, even though this is not a car podcast, imperfections. <laughs> it's going to happen anyway. In, Who are we getting? It already is. In terms of uh, character to a car and, mm. you know, not just dirt, but uh, time and wear on a car makes it character in, in paint or in trim, and it just makes it have more vintage feel. So the cars that are over-restored, they feel artificial. It feels like mm. a movie set. It feels like mm. a Hollywood movie set. They're amazing and perfect, and they look, you know, you don't want to drive it, but a car that is just slightly off, it feels like you it's You say that as the owner character. of an old 928 yeah, as well. Yeah, it, it's there got imperfections. That, that's, that's it's time-worn. It well. it <laughs> and it's just got back from the shop tonight, and it's even better I than ever. Just yeah, exactly. picked it up. It's uh-huh. got new exhaust manifolds, and the suspension was raised. There's so much to come. Anyway, anyway uh, Mick now is asking, he said that the Top Gear guys, or now the Grand Tour guys, are known as the lads. What do we want to be referred to as? Generally, mm-hmm. we get referred to as the guys. Yeah. And I think the guys at Everyday Driver, that, that just works. makes sense. Todd and Paul works well as well, <laughs> You know, just so you know, but, but either way, that's all good stuff. Agreed. You've got uh, well. You've got movie questions. I have to. I have questions. to do this question from Waffleopagus that was yeah, posted on Discord, off. and then it was posted on Instagram or maybe it was Twitter. I forget. But anyway, thank you for that. Waffleopagus is a fantastic avatar and an actual person, and he helps keep our Discord running. <laughs> yes, he and does. Thank you, thank you for that, man. Um, okay, he he said this question has has circle, circulated on Reddit. I haven't seen it before, but it's great. If I could take one movie mm-hmm. and replace every person but one with Muppets. What movie would it be? So it'd be a movie, current movies, all surrounded by Muppets with one person that's human. And then the reverse, what's a movie that would be all the current actors, but replace one of the actors with a Muppet? I have both. I have both. Because I had to think in terms of of ensembles to get this to work. (laughs) The first one is the all Muppet movie, Mm -hmm. Michael Mann's movie Heat. The tense, thriller, heist movie. Everyone in Heat. Now, the movie doesn't change. It's still bloody and gory and tense and all of these things, car chases. Everyone in it is a Muppet except for Al Pacino, who is still being Al Pacino. Oh, my gosh. And he's still That's chewing really good. the scenery and being as big as Al Pacino's ever been, but everybody else is a Muppet. So that's the all-Muppet one. The non-Muppet one, the one with one Muppet, I had to think about who's, who's a star in a movie that, that's good. Everybody else around, but you could take the star, remove them with a Muppet. It's a totally different movie. Okay. And I really like this movie, but I also really like this idea. Top Gun Maverick. Everybody is the current actors, and Tom Cruise is Kermit. Are you kidding? Imagine me? the felt face <laughs> under G Load, you know? Oh <laughs> I just need Somebody's got to make this. Kermit doing Top Gun Maverick. Uh, there's, there's my two uh, Muppet questions. Uh, this is what I love about this podcast because it's Alrighty. so bizarre. Yeah. Well, da- Daniel Barnes says, which car magazine did we first read regularly, and how did we come across it? For Daniel, it was Motor Trend in his childhood barbershop. It was pretty much the usual, usual suspects. It was certainly Motor Trend, Road and Track. I still have a lot of those, and I thought, I- I'm a magazine super freak. Yes, I- you are. I love magazines, and it's really hard for me to throw them out. I admit that. And so I still have a lot of those because I use them for reference. And when you're in design school and art school, you're always taught to have good reference, not just for design, but also for color scheme. So you like a particular ad or you like an image and it gives you a nice warm, cool or a, a setting or a, a particular you know, feel for the scenery. That's always a great reference to have when you're creating your own art. And so I just kept all these magazines and it's really cool to have them now. I have 30-year-old magazines not a oh. lot of those. I've kept some more recent ones, but still, I, it's nice to pull those out, and then it just takes me back to high school. 
And I think, oh my gosh, I, I can't believe I still have this. You know, the creations from Sabaro, the Italian creator who did mm-hmm. all those crazy, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, crazy designs. And uh, it's, it's fun to bring those back out. But yeah, all the usual suspects, all those magazines. And then, of course, I expanded into the British magazines later on. <laughs> Muppet heat. I'm telling you. Uh, Ackham <laughs> wrote in earlier and he said, when we were first starting the show, did we instantly land on Everyday Driver? What else did we consider seriously? We actually seriously considered Daily Driver. Yeah. But the problem Some people was... get that wrong and yes, call it Daily yes. Driver. Yeah. The problem was twofold. I didn't want people to think we were putting out content every day. Mm-hmm. And also, something to us about Daily felt like it's just the thing you drive and don't enjoy. And we wanted to lean into the everyday part, meaning let's drive something fun every single day. So that's why we went with Everyday Driver. Mm, all right. There's also questions on Discord. Things. So I let's just jump right into some watch questions. Petrolhead2003 has one for me. He's debating between an Oris Big Crown Pro Pilot Big Date. I know I'm speaking Swahili already. Uh, yeah, it's just it's white noise to me. At this 41 point. millimeters yeah. with a fabric strap and a Longines Spirit. 42 millimeters with a fabric strap. He's going back and forth. But then he throws in the Tudor, the Tudor Black Bay 41 and the Tudor Ranger. I am partial to Tudor. I'm wearing a Tudor. I like Tudors. <laughs> I, I like the backstory. When Hans Wilsdorf created Rolex in 1905, I think, 1905, 1906, somewhere around there, he also wanted an excellent watch that was still affordable, but still the same high quality, but still kind of an entry-level watch, even though they're still way up there. But still, I really like the Tudor brand. So if you were asking me all three of those, I would choose Tudor. But I do like Oris. I mean, all three of these, I believe all three of these manufacturers build their own movements. And that's what you have to start to decide. Are you buying style? Are you buying movement? Are you buying both? And the manufacturers that do both and for a really great price is Oris. I do like the Oris brand a lot. I always feel like they look like kind of field watches. Mm. Some of them are very chunky and I I do like a really nice piece of stainless, but Tudor seems to be the the right balance for me. So I'm, I'm preferent. I'm preferable to, to Tudor and the brand and the backstory with with uh, the creation of Rolex and how Hans went through all the different names of what what he was going to name this second company and how he still wanted these excellent high standards, even applied to the sort of the the entry level beginning brand for Rolex. And Tudor has become a, a huge following. It has a huge following themselves. So I like Tudor, Oris, and then Longines. Longines never really done it for me, but that's just me. So. The audio just came back for me. I don't know what happened there, but anyway, it was just it was faint just for a while, but now it's back. White noise. Jar- Jarrett's writing in. Uh, Jarrett, he's, he says he's a new listener and watcher. Our podcast has become one of his favorites. Jarrett, thank you, man. You're asking how we met. I'm not going to recover that, but I'm going to mention this to you. Go to podcast number 52. It's a long way back. 700 podcasts or so, in fact. Oh, my gosh. Which is crazy to say, but when we got to 52, we got a, a, a couple of years in, we got to that first, first one, and we, and we thought, all right, we're going to do the whole story of the show. So you can go back and listen to that. And it is an entire podcast dedicated to how we got from when I met this crazy guy and vice versa. And all of that gets discussed in there. There's also a couple of questions about my book. There is also a podcast. It's actually labeled as an extra podcast. I think it's like XL1 or something or X1 that talks about the inception for the book and all of the details of the book. I would love for you to listen to that podcast. It goes farther in depth than I will go here. But the short version of one of the questions, the process of it being from an idea to a full length novel, I had the idea for this book when uh, my wife and I first got pregnant and I was 
facing being a father and went gulp. And I had the idea, and I started writing as a screenplay, and I got probably 20 or so pages in, which is probably the first, I don't know, 20 to 30 pages, not at least less than that of the novel. And I realized it was bigger than I wanted for two hours. So I was like, I should put it in novel form, which I'd never done. I'd written a lot of screenplays. And I was like, I'm going to start over in novel form. You know, why not? So 10 years cool. later, it was done. So there you go. It's pretty awesome, man. It's still a, such a great read. I appreciate it very it's, much. It's awesome. If you haven't read it, it truly is a great book. Jessica S. just got a manual Honda Fit last month and has missed driving a stick shift so much. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you love your car, and it doesn't have to be an expensive car to love it. Yeah, fantastic. Congratulations. Let's see. Our our Diamond's back here. He's talking about his son being 13. What three movies from my teenage years do I want to share with Bodhi so he understands my formative years better? Well, um, (laughs) here's a place where I have made some questionable fatherhood choices he's seen all those movies by this point he's already seen them all uh but let me think the movies that were real formative to me that i have shown him ferris bueller's day off i watched that on a repeat late junior high through high school i watched that on repeat awesome i've shown him ferris bueller's day off it's really really fun so i showed him that uh terminator 2 which is actually early college for me uh terminator 2 was a huge one so i remember shared that i'm trying to think what a good third one would be from that era that was majorly formative for me. But uh, but those are the first two that start, come to my mind, so I'll just stop there. All good. Club Racer 6 asks me, how I've be- why have I never gotten into flying? Yes, my dad had an airplane. He had actually two airplanes. When I was about 10 years old, he had a turbocharged 206 in the mountains in Colorado, and then that left his life, and he did other things and went back to the aviation insurance business and got a Cessna 182 and it was not turbocharged, but he enjoyed flying both. And he just, he loved the freedom that flying had, but it, it just never, it never caught hold in me. I really enjoyed going mm. with him. Mm. I, like I said, I know all the pilot jokes. It was fun to fly <laughs> with him and have him turn control over to me. Such a different feeling, but I always liked the control of tires meeting the asphalt. I always loved the shape of cars. I suppose it comes down to the design and Airplanes are cool and they're cool looking. I just love the shape of cars. They're so interesting. Mm. I, I found them far more interesting. But yeah, I've got some fond memories of flying with my dad. It was so much fun. We flew actually around uh, a lot of places in Colorado. I never flew with him in Alaska after he moved to Alaska to uh, to finish his aviation career and, and uh, where people own $300,000 airplanes and live in a shack. But <laughs> around Colorado, we flew into Centennial, I think. I flew into Jefferson County Airport, and we would go just look at all the jets and the airplanes, and it was really scary to land such a little airplane on the huge, wide commercial oh, sure. runway because yeah, yeah, you yeah. think you're landing. You're still 50 feet in the air, <laughs> and the stripes get really huge. Those numbers are massive. We've got to yeah. be down by now. Yeah, and then you just click down. You just little screech and you're down. It was just, it is a lot of freedom, but uh, yeah, I, I guess I just never got into it like he did. Tyler's asking guilty pleasure TV shows past or present. A uh, one that I watched and I always was like, should I be watching this? Partially because I was a very young father at that point, but it was uh, the Spartacus TV show was awesome. I really, really liked that. That was gorier than I would normally pick, but I really liked that. And then they're less guilty pleasure, but I have to say recent TV shows. Westworld is awesome. Uh, the further it goes, the less awesome. But it starts off incredibly strong. And I'm watching that new one, uh, Peripheral, on Amazon Prime from the people that brought you Westworld. Now I'm a Is walking it head. It's actually pretty cool. Really? It's pretty cool. Okay. I'm enjoying it so All far. Right. Yeah. Good to know. A track daily crush that has nothing to do with cars from Isaac Redinger. Yard work. Oh, no. Home repairs. 
and meeting with or doing accounting. Hmm. I am taking that on. It's very easy for me because I hate accounting. I, yeah, I really tried to go after math (laughs) and chemistry and I got those prerequisites out of the way and I, I'm not good at math. I'm okay. I can operate my iPhone, but not good at math. So accounting gets crushed. I can't stand. I (laughs) will hand the dinner bill to somebody else to figure out the tip. Okay. Just fine. I would happily do home repairs. I actually do like building stuff and making things. So home repairs is first on my list. That's the daily, the once in a while track kind of thing is yard work Mm because I don't like yard work. I mowed lawns as a kid. uh, Well, as a actually a senior in high school, junior and senior, a buddy of mine, we just, we mowed lawns and we screwed up a lot of sprinklers and, uh, <laughs> was that your tagline? Anyway, we're here to destroy your sprinklers. It's going to be great. Exactly. Yeah. Like, why did I hire you two idiots? <laughs> so we did it for a dental group. They had like a dentist, Oh no! like, you know, business park, a lot mm-hmm. of dentists. And so they'd all contribute. And we were the two high schoolers doing the yard That's work. Funny. Okay. And you know, we just sit in the parking lot and hang out and listen to music and screw off and then finally go mow a piece of yard. And it was, it was crazy. I, I dislike all of those things mightily. However, I dislike yard work in a very, very special white hot way. So that would be okay. crushed. Anybody, anyone else on the planet okay, would be doing the yard right. work. I guess I would do the home repair daily, even though I'm not handy at all. And, uh, and then the occasion would be the accounting. My wife and I have a strange understanding where I can do stuff on cars. Yeah. And she yeah. just looks at me when something breaks in the house and goes, I'll call someone. Because it's just, <laughs> I'm just not good at it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Hal Bullock says, uh, he's asking if I still play music and when do we get to see a music video? Never is the answer. I could call it Paul Schmucker Jams. Well, <laughs> if you actually Google my name, there was another person named Paul Schmucker who had a record and it's the cheesiest looking. Oh my gosh. Oh, I, you have to find the old post. We'll get uh, Nate I'll, who does I'll our cycle to report to that, repost but... the our album cover for you. That was great. Yeah. Yes. I still play my grandfather's piano. Yes. I still love playing and it's just, it's a relaxation for me. I really love it. So. Uh, Steve Urban saying that Amazon Music has about 200 plus am- uh, Everyday Driver episodes on the platform. That's actually news to me. So we'll look into that. We'll see what the story is and how those are connecting and if we can get more up because that's pretty cool. Haggerty is always announcing exciting new things that they're doing. And this one is no exception. Brand new this year. Marketplace is your Haggerty hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classifieds experience, buyers can now shop for vehicles that are on sale from Haggerty Drivers Club members, and the sellers get access to millions of car lovers. This is a marketplace. There's all kinds of cars on there, so no matter what you're into, you can find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's feeds, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you should head over to Haggerty Marketplace and take a look around. We think you'll love it. Uh, what do we pack for our road trips from uh, a meal? Uh when we take our smaller sports cars, what do we pack for road trips? Uh, a lot of it is actually just all the tools, the roadside tools. I take oil, I take coolant, all that stuff. Uh, yeah, roadside uh, the emergency air pump. Other than that, it's just t-shirts and hoodies. Really? <laughs> well, we have to get we have to get the uniform. It makes me laugh the number of times that I now put on a red t-shirt and khaki pants and realize. These are my work clothes. That's that's just that's yes. that. I'm in uniform. My wife yes. goes, "Oh, are you shooting something?" Uh, Moose is asking me, "What are my thoughts on Lord of the Rings: Rings of Power?" That is the uh, 
billion dollar experience that Amazon is having of shooting the Cimmerillion. So it's the prequel stuff to the Lord of the Rings movies. I'm going to go real geeky here real quick. Okay. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, J.R.R. Tolkien was a linguist. And he created the Elvish language. I'm not making this up. He created You've the Elvish language. you mentioned this to me before, yeah. And then decided to essentially build a world to put this made-up language in. And this is how we get The Hobbit and then The Lord of the Rings books. Amazing. Hobbit was his trial run. Lord of the Rings was his, was his epic. And then he goes back because it's so successful and writes The Cimmerillion, which is kind of a sim- simultaneous appendices and prequel. And it's like lots of little stories that get referenced in the movies and other stuff. And so Amazon has got the rights to that now, and they have done this Rings of Power series. And that brings me back around to your question, Moose, which is I've watched it, I've enjoyed it, and I think it struggles from something that all prequels struggle from. Star Wars prequels are a great example. This is a great example. When you write something that has become iconic in our entertainment. Star Wars is a great one, and so is Lord of the Rings. You've, those, all of those stories start at a low point, and the hero is going on the hero's journey, and it, and it doesn't always have to follow the hero's journey, which is something that Hollywood gets in a rut about. But ultimately, what you're doing is the good guys win. This is the projection that we're doing. Okay. We're going from darkness into the light, the good guys win, etc. But the problem is, when you do prequel, you have to do the reverse you have to take the good guys into darkness and we're all watching knowing it's only going to get worse. And I find that most of the time, Lord of the Rings brings of power is another example. The star Wars prequels are a great example. You're watching it and you just get this impending sense of dread because you know, even though there might be little victories and some of the scenes turn out okay. And some of the people survive, you know, overall we're just arcing downward. And so it's harder for that to feel as triumphant and fun Mm. when you're Mm. just headed toward, first off, a known commodity, and it's only going to get worse. Mm. Interesting. By the way, on all of our Cars of the Past trips, it's fun to plan out the route and then think of all the fun things that we can shoot along the way, all the, the gags. gags. Yes. And it brings up movie references. And then we can, we've got ideas for the fourth one. Oh, you're going to laugh. And <laughs> the third one's funny. The third one hopefully is very funny. We did post that one uh, still image for Halloween and that will be explained. But yes, I, I never, ever thought many things about doing the show. I never thought would happen. But one of the things I never <laughs> thought would happen is that we would wind up on road trips with a bag that is referred to as the costume department. We now have a costume department. <laughs> and it happens. It's, it's pretty great. cool. Let's see. Andre S. would never argue imperfections in a face to find someone for something they can't change and is fundamentally part of them. When you see beaver teeth, all you can wonder is this could have been different. Yes, this You're is true. absolutely mm-hmm. right. It could have been different. Well done. Dan D. Giuseppe asks me, what is the best era of American design? For example, Dan loves all things space age and aerospace inspired from fountain pens to appliances. Yeah, that is interesting. I feel like current design is very hotel-like. It's very uh, appealing to most people. And I think the designs from nineteen mid-1920s to about the early 60s in every category, from architecture, Frank Lloyd Wright mm-hmm. uh, houses, to all the, the use of Bakelite, that was a, a big material used in all kinds of products, from phones to toasters to shift knobs in Volkswagens, mm. All you know, designers will play with materials and figure out new shapes. And I, I think that period, of course, I'm a big fan of mid-century modern, but I do like contemporary, clean look. I, I do like some of the hotel looks, I'll be honest, like some of the higher-end hotels that just have a clean aesthetic and it's very inviting and, you know, the colors are very sophisticated and toned down. But uh, yeah, that, that era, probably 20s to 60s is my opinion for every mm. kind of product. 
And that does kind of cover some of the space age stuff that Dan likes, you know, for the first Corvette, you know, rockets are the theme. Yeah. <laughs> we set a rocket into space. Yeah. Must be on the car Little now. Fins yeah. on the tail. Yeah, for sure. I mean, can you imagine being a designer thinking rockets? Let's, you know, sculpt little, you know, ailerons and fins on these things. So ridiculous. Trenton is asking, does it bother us when people recognize us or ask for photos? Trenton, honestly, not at all. I find it, I still find it incredibly surprising. Everybody's like, I, I've seen you before. I watched your work. And then when they ask for a photo, that's just cool. I have no problem with that. It doesn't bother me. I will yeah, tell you, agreed. the only time it bothered me is I was, we were at one event and there was somebody taking photos with a long lens way over there and they wouldn't get close enough to have a conversation. That was weird. And, and that, that for the first and only time in my life, because, you know, we're not even, we've got C-list celebrities deal. I'm not sure what, where we are in like we're alphabet, like but Z we're down there. down there. But, but it made me realize if you were a person who was a celebrity that every time you go outside, somebody's taking photos of you, especially with a long lens from way over there, making it impersonal, I can see how that would get really annoying and you would start to get like angry about it. Mm-hmm. I could see why. So I actually eventually walked over to this person and I went to them because I thought the photos at a distance was weird. Meeting somebody directly, that the fact that you want to say, hey, I think is amazing. So that's cool. That is cool. I love there's flying questions on here. There's more airplane questions. That's Good. cool. But CB's Garage first asks us the best ski location around Salt Lake and Park City area. Mm. CB is making the trip out in February. I did see a bumper sticker when I first moved to town. In, we were in Park City. I saw a bumper sticker. It says, nobody cares. You ski Alta. I mean, talk about like. <laughs> because there's a lot of other ones that's like Alta, Alta, Alta. You're right. That's very funny. Locals in their nose. That's I mean, very funny. Even I like in it. Utah, yeah. there's just, you know, the ski towns are rivaling each other. So whatever. I have never skied Alta. I admit. I've heard it's great. Mm-hmm. I am a ski snob. He's a ski snob. Yes, we are. We've tried snowboarding. Snowboarding is very cool. I do enjoy it. But there's many people who aren't that good at it. And they scrape all the snow and leave it. The runs icy. They're mm. they're horrible. And so, Deer Valley is a place where we like to ski, and, and it's skiers only. They it's mm. only skiing, and mm-hmm. the joke is they, you know, it, it's so luxurious. They practically ski for you. Ha ha ha. Well, the other joke is that it's a series of gourmet restaurants connected by ski runs. Yeah, Deer Valley is, is awesome. That. It's actually really good. They, yeah. they actually, mm-hmm. uh, we had heard. Correct me if I'm wrong, but we had heard early on that they manage the number of guests on the mountain by how much food they estimate they can feed everybody on the mountain for lunch. Yeah. Restaurant capacity versus lift so capacity. that's yeah. what determines yeah. if the ski day is sold out for the day. It's not number of skiers on the mountains if we have enough food to feed everybody. I don't know if that's still true. I, but I don't know if now that it's changed hands, it's still true, but it is completely ridiculous. And nowhere feels quite as opulent when you're skiing as Deer Valley. And it's not why we go there, but it is something that makes it very fun. Actually, that brings me into this question. Uh, I think it's ex- Explovist on uh, Explovist. It was, this was posted originally on Instagram. How do we personally beat the constant negativity being forced fed from online spaces? First off, we try to not be one of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We know this, why it's no religion, no politics, no, yelling and angry fights uh i mean paul and i do disagree but but even on the podcast i mean we we're friends we're brothers so yeah. i mean we yeah. keep it very cordial and we want to all of our commentary in youtube and discord i mean we try to keep it very nice this is an inclusive community so that's important to us but from a personal perspective uh, this is something that in my uh late 30s early 40s i started to really struggle with it was like wake up every day and see all the bad stuff yeah, And I had to, and, yeah. and it's an ongoing reality. I had to make a conscious decision. Forget the online stuff for a second. It was just the, the place my head was at, was at to 
recognize and look at the things that are good in life, the things that are good in my life. And sometimes for seasons, I've done gratitude journals, um, living in Park City, feeling very, very blessed. I will designate myself to go outside and do something because it's beautiful here. And we have a job that while we work very hard, I can work and edit when it's dark outside and the snow's blowing. But the Mm -hmm. middle of the day when it's gorgeous, I should be out. So I I flop a lot of that around. But I, I also... I take in a lot of the, the online stuff because, of course, we read the news and, and we want to be informed and we want to you know, speak from that place. But I also try to focus on the stuff that I can affect where I can make a positive impact on wherever I am. Because the minute we start, we all do this, the minute we start looking at the, like, like the larger world and the stuff you can't control, it can be crushing. So I try to stay closer. Absolutely. We love the community that is part of the discord and we're live streaming now, but those of you listening to the podcast uh, later, we love this community that, that people are just friendly. I mean, ultimately we just all love cars and want to hang out and enjoy this, you know, cool cars together. So we love that community on the discord and in, especially in the comments on YouTube, even though there are people that pick at us and it's just mm-hmm. is what it is. Yeah. It's fine to have a, a disagreement, but I like the, the general approach and, and what that kind of attitude has caused. I mean, it's a choice to see the beauty in things and to wake up happy. Yeah. So we love that, uh, that people continue that on the discord. Let's see. Big tanker asks me, uh, well, he says, Paul, in an early podcast, I mentioned my dad was a bush pilot in Alaska. Well, he wasn't exactly a bush pilot himself. He had stories. He worked for an insurance agency that was a small independent firm that then insured all these pilots around, whether they did tours or they were, you know, pilots flying fuel to the remote communities in Alaska. I mean, that is just. I mean, they get paid, but that just seems like a thankless job. But it, it just, you know, the, the families that live on those outlying areas, they, they look forward to the airplanes that bring in fuel and food and all their supplies. But he did have a story. His, his, uh, the person that owned the, the insurance agency was Mike Kardatsky, and he and Mike would go flying. Mike was, he had a number of planes, and they'd go, you know, just, hey, we need to take off to this remote mountain town. And mm. there's cars there, but they would have to fly cars in. That's how mm. remote this town is. Mm-hmm. So really, the only way to get there is by airplane. And over the course, you know, through clouds, dodging mountaintops and that kind of thing, because these small airplanes in Alaska, some of those mountaintops are taller than you are. You're flying in between mountains. Yeah, you can't get as high as the go over them, yeah. And my dad told me the story. He said he looked down into a canyon and he saw the glittering wreckage of a plane. <laughs> and he said, wow, you know, he's thinking to himself, gosh, you know, how horrible. But nobody will ever go in there and remove that wreckage. True. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. There, it's not cost effective. It's too hard to get to. It's too, uh, it risks the lives of the rescuers. Sure, sure. And he looked down and thought, if, if we go down, I mean, that's, that's it. We're done. Wow. But not everywhere in Alaska is like that, but there are many places. Mm. And it's weird to think about because some guys on floats will see a little lake and they'll just go land on it. And they might have still been the first person to land and get out on the beach and walk around mm. ever. Mm. Alaska is that big. So it's it's just crazy to think about. And uh, so he had stories like that, but you know, it's just like, dad, I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're okay. But, you know, he says we banked over a, a you know, very deep canyon. Oh man! And I spotted wreckage down there that God will great. always remain. 
Yikes. Dan's writing in and saying, I'm loving the movie questions. It's awesome. From Marvel's success. So now Marvel has become a phenomenon, and they have a guy in charge named Kevin Feige, and he is a one-in-a-million kind of producer guy because he's able to not only drive all these Marvel movies, but kind of keep them all in check and keep all the stories connected. But that comes back to Dan's question. He said, movies have become more episodic and don't tell singular stories because they have to lead to or tie into the next movie or the previous movie, or they have to be part of the whole larger universe. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. He said, do we think this trend will continue and should it? Uh, Dan, it will continue, sadly, because in the early 2000s, right around the time, kind of the back end when I was in the movie industry, uh, movie movie studios used to make lots of movies. Like when I first started working at New Line, we were making 100, no, like 60 to 80 movies a year. And when I left, we were making about 26. Okay? Okay. Because all of the middle-grade movies, the ones that are middle budgets, you've got the really low-budget stuff and the really high-budget stuff, the middle-budget stuff stopped making any money, and it still is very hard to get it. Like a, I know this sounds insane, a $50 million movie, almost impossible to get made. A $5 million movie or a $500 million movie, those you can get made. That's insane. It is ridiculous. But anyway, so, uh, but, so the whole thing is movie studios, look at Lord of the Rings, look at Harry Potter. Those are examples before Marvel becomes a thing. Look at the Matrix movies. The universe is a key term in, in movie studios. They want to make a universe, and they want to make a lot of products in that universe. And ideally, we get the soft drink, and we get the spinoff TV show, and we get the, uh, the theme park ride. It, the, it's the, the green slug. slug? It's, look up the slug commercial. It's still yeah. really great. <laughs> it's shockingly true still. But anyway, so, so that's the thing. They want to do these universes, and that, that's because it, it proves over the long-term cost-effective. If the audience connects to the universe, then we can do a bunch of movies. We know they'll keep coming back. I, I get the logic and why it makes sense financially for studios to do that. And I get the fact that it allows you to do the thing that TV scores at. You take a TV show and you invest so much because you get to take so much time on nuance of characters mm-hmm. that a two-hour movie can't. But if the two-hour movie is part of 20 hours worth of movies, you can do that nuance now again. So that's the thing that works storytelling-wise. But I want to bring all this back to my biggest problem with multi-series movies. Okay, And I, I've met people that were doing independent films that were thinking this way. Well, you know, we're not actually going to make this movie end because we're setting it up for a sequel. And my opinion is if you cannot finish your current story, you're not a good storyteller. I understand you may need to connect to other things, but make your current story have a beginning, middle, and an actual end of where we currently are. Even if it's just a breath, it needs to end, not stop. There is a fundamental difference. And sometimes when you're building a universe, the movie, the story just, it stops here because we're going to do another one in a year. Finish your current story so that you've earned the ability for me to ask you to tell me another story because I know you can do a beginning, middle, and end. And novels do this and movies do this like crazy. Finish the story. We're going to keep the movie discussion going because McCundan N. has a question for me about which movie has the best art design. Mm. Todd, he asks you, which is the best designed object for being filmed? Hmm. But as far as art design, I have two artists, actually a handful, from designstudiopress.com. This started a number of years ago, but a lot of contributors started out doing fantasy vehicles. I really respect Star Wars 
art direction and design. There's a, there's so much that goes into it. I've just never really been into those series of movies, but nevertheless, I do <laughs> like some fantasy and science fiction stuff that isn't star Wars and worlds that are just completely conceived and different. So I do really appreciate, and I, I like the work of Daniel Simon. There's another guy named Harold Belker, who's a great designer. He's done the light cycles for Tron. He did, uh, yeah, all kinds of, uh, yeah, just kind of, fantasy vehicles, but even down to weapon design and particular pieces of clothing or gear that that's still just so many sketches are done. And so design studio press has a lot of different books about, you know, all the sketching and, and uh, movies that these artists have worked on. Scott Robertson is another great designer. He instructed at art center for a long time, but he's got great work. And I think he did a lot of art direction for various films. But when I was in school, not sure if I've told this story. I did get to meet Sid Mead. Mm, I remember this. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I mean, he's passed away now, but I grew up with his uh, niece in Fort Collins, Melissa Mead, and didn't know at the time. Didn't put the connection together, but her uncle was Sid Mead, and he was the cornerstone of Art Center Design. I think he worked for GM in the late fifties, but he also did uh, Blade Runner. So he is best known for Blade Runner. Yeah. He actually did a lot of the art direction when Michael Jackson was kind of being revived and getting his entire tour mm. uh, kind of going again. He would work with various celebrities to kind of get their concerts and tours going again. But he did all of the uh, Gundam characters in Japan. So he was like, mm, yeah, yeah. When he would travel to Japan, it would be like. David Hasselhoff traveling to Germany or something like that. Good Just reference. Like, Good mobbed, reference. You, know? yes. like, you got to get it. If you right? don't know about Hasselhoff in Germany, it is, it is Google it. Thing. It is terrifying how exciting they so are. So Sid would yeah. travel to Japan and give lectures and show off artwork. And I got to go to his house and see some art. Actually, Daniel Simon was sort of a protege of Sid's. And the the Blade Runner stuff that he did and the the massive amount of books, but he always broke it down. It was so interesting because he refrigerated all of his gouache paints in, in the fridge. He would custom make all these colors and, and really? design the color scheme. And then he would make little like salsa cups of the, the color that he wanted to use for this entire painting okay. that could never really be replicated again after the painting was done. And he you know threw everything away. It was like, that was the color scheme, hmm. but he would mix all of his paints and refrigerate it. So it could, continue to work on things and come back and keep the painting I've going. I've never heard that. Wow. But he would block in all the, the shapes. And if you look at Sid stuff and a lot of sci-fi vehicles, they're really simple shapes. Mm -hmm. Look at just blocking things into your scene and creating the perspective and the color scheme. Then you go back in and detail things and you paint on, you know, all kinds of details mm -hmm. and, and buckles and straps on clothing or, you know, keypads and, and shut lines and, you know, these large objects, these large vehicles have to be built. So think about this monolithic thing that's a spaceship. Well, it has to be built by people. Yeah, yeah. So all these panels of different materials and what does that mm -hmm. do? And this mm -hmm. pops out. And so you just start with some kind of random, simple shape and then mm. design it from there and kind of flesh out the details. So I, I learned all that stuff from him and amazing. I It was amazing just to be able to ask him. I I thought, do I, do I ask about... Mm. You know, Blade Runner stuff, sure, the, yeah. the early movie. And this was before the second Blade Runner actually came out. Yeah, yeah, out. yeah, yeah. And he was very open to it. He just mm. was like, yeah. He made it sound so nonchalant. 
like, yeah, the director called and he just wanted me to do some crazy stuff. So I just kind of invented this vehicle and that's what it became. It was, he, he it was a job the, to him. He, it was, yeah. but he almost took the glamor out of it. But on the other hand, for everybody working on films at that mm-hmm. point, it's, you still have a job to do as cool as this is. And cool as the end result is, it's still a job. You're still getting paid, Yeah, yeah. you know, feed your family and you know, you still want to mm-hmm. do a good job, but it's still just it's work, even though, you know, people hold this up as this, mm-hmm. you know, lofty thing. Well, but that, see, that's on reflections. He went, I have to think that when he was doing it, Ridley's, I mean, the fact that Ridley Scott called is cool, but, but Ridley like, Scott called. Yeah, he would, he would speak but, to it like that. Like Michael would call him like Michael Jackson. <laughs> like you talk to Michael Jackson, you discuss your scenery for your new concert. Yeah. Like, what? But uh, but certainly with Blade Runner, I mean, they were designing stuff that they had no idea that was going to become iconic, and they had no mm-hmm. idea that was going to become revolutionary and also influential to stuff beyond that. You know, yeah. he he's designing yeah. the stuff for that movie, yes. but then it becomes far beyond that. But at the time, I, I can't imagine, you'd have to have an enormous ego to be like, everyone is going to copy this. I, I can't imagine that that was where and it was. And he didn't come you know? off like of course that, not. ever. Yeah. He was just yeah. very matter of fact, you know, here's the things we need. We want it to evoke a certain feeling because that's what's in the script. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. this is the, yeah. you know, we've got some storyboards, but we just have this kind of vague notion of what we want it to look like. Can you visualize that? Mm-hmm. And that's what futurists do. Can you give us a color scheme and give us this world, this environment? And it's, it's the simplest shapes mm. and then it's detailed and it just, you know, when you see it kind of halfway done, it's just sort of like, it's not really impressive, yeah. but then the magic comes when you, when the thinking comes, sure, the, detail the details stuff. mean this, you're not just indicating things. Mm. You're thinking about what is that little cool thing, you know, from mm. this, from the script is fascinating. Two questions I'm going to answer real quick. First off, uh, Steve Urban is asking if there's going to be an audio book version of paper father, Yes, I say it tentatively because I've wanted to do it, and here we are a couple of years since I wrote it or since it came out, and, and I haven't done it yet, but I want to do it is the key thing. Many many people that have read the book and have also listened to the podcast have asked me and almost demanded that I do the audiobook, so I'm going to try to do the audiobook with all of my extra time, which is why it hasn't happened yet, but it will happen at some point. Jordan is asking about great restaurants in the Park City or Salt Lake City area. I will give you one that's actually in Midway called Mercantile. I have never had so good. I have never oh. had a bad meal at Mercantile. Now maybe I've just now oversold it, and you'll go and be like, "That was terrible." <laughs> yeah. But Mercantile in Midway is well worth the trip. I mean, if you want to spend money, River Horse on Maine is also sure. Good. Yeah, but now you're Park yeah. City, mm-hmm. but now you're, you're throwing Park down. City throwdown for sure. Let's see uh, what else? Uh, Dan asks again: Given how many things have been designed and created over the course of human history, is any design actually original anymore? Or is all design an amalgamation of previous ideas? There's certainly that, but it's that old saying, you know, he who takes the most ideas from the most sources is most original, right? (laughs) Sort of. Okay. But everything around us influences the next thing. But I think using that and trying to come up with something, I mean, this is why a lot of designers turn to nature. Because anything in nature is, of course, unique and interesting and very original. Mm. So using that as reference, you can always point back to that and saying, you know, I drew directly from the leaf shape or a particular animal or the way the muscles on a hyena or, you know, whatever. I, I like the speed of that. And pulling that out is always, for the most part, an original theme to be able to to do that. So nature is always something big. but. I suppose, you know, it, it's always going to continue. I mean, nothing original under the sun, right? 
Uh, Dan is asking if we would ever do an R-rated podcast. He said he remembers being shocked when he saw Bob Saget in the movie The Aristocrats saying things you never hear on Full House. Bob Saget was an interesting guy because he was a filthy, filthy comedian. Really? But the general public only knew him as the dad from Full House. Yeah. So he was super squeaky clean. You know, so very interesting. Um, <laughs> we we are often R-rated in person. We We aren't... <laughs> We aren't yeah. on this podcast. Yeah. We want you to be able to like yeah. drive through the the drive through pickup line with with your kids and, and all that. And so we we worry about it on video. If you ever go on one of our adventures with us, you'll find that we can be R rated and we do actually cuss and we are humans. So these things happen. We have joked about an R rated podcast, but it feels like uh, you can never get the toothpaste back in the tube. Mm-hmm. That's the concern. So that's the reason we haven't done one. At some point, you're going to want to change things on your car, and instead of just thinking about go fast parts, what about Stop fast parts. Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, but why not just upgrade? You can improve your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with the Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit. It includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware you need to complete your upgrade. It's all the little fiddly parts that I always lose. They're included too. Power Stop is on a mission to provide complete and affordable brake upgrade kits for every vehicle on the road today. Whether you're towing, whether you're doing off-roading, track days including brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes by heading to PowerStop.com. You can enter your vehicle's information in their easy-to-use brake finder, and that matches you with the right brake upgrade kit for your vehicle. T. Rogdorf 147 asks what we think of the general decline of physical media. Mm. Tends to love physical copies of video games and Blu-rays, but hasn't bought music on CD in over a decade. What's mm-hmm. a CD? <laughs> Isn't that an investment thing? What? What's a... <laughs> it's kind of strange because you tend to associate physical media with things like cable, TV, even though sure, yeah. cable is really going nowhere. I mean, if only somebody bundled Netflix and Amazon and Paramount <laughs> Plus and Disney and it's Hulu coming. all in one thing and called it like... Cable or I don't know. <laughs> only somebody thought to do that. It's gonna it's gonna happen. One, I'm serious. One bill for all the. I, media. I promise Wait. you that's coming. We we cut the cord. Now we have all of these services. Somebody's gonna bundle the services. We're gonna be back to it's gonna be one stream. We went from cable to stream. My stream <sighs> bill got really expensive. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, the stream bill. Anyway, but yeah. physical media. I still love magazines, and I think periodicals will still remain for a long time. A lot of the reasons is because of tooth on paper and thickness and having that tangible object and it sort of immortalizes that. Of course, books do that. But as far as newspapers, I don't miss newspapers at all. I use an iPad. Mm. I read Mm. everything online. I prefer it because there's links to videos. You can click links to other referenced articles or you know, research or that kind of thing. So I I prefer that. So it's a bit of a mix. You know, I think it would just kind of depend on, on each one. So many good things here. Uh, people are inventing new drinking games because I always, uh, I always, I'm an active listener, and so they're going to drink because I'm an active listener. I'm sorry about that. All right. On the on the physical media side, I think it's awesome. But I heard somebody observe one time. I thought this was genius and great about our modern time. The the products that really succeed are products that allow us to do less. The luxury of relaxation and time. Mm-hmm. And I love Blu-ray, and I I love physical media very much. But the ease of scroll, scroll, oh, search, search, oh, I can watch that right now. I don't even have – sometimes, this is the danger, my son will find something. On, I've done it too. Son will find something and I'll be like, no, 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 no. We, we own that. It's right there on disc. 
Because he was about to purchase because you can just you could just get it right here. So it's it's the ease that's of it. That's such a hassle. You have to put the disc into this. Box I know thing. what on earth. But they love me when the internet goes out. I'm like, we still have movies, you know, so that happens too. But, but that's, that's never going back because it is just that ease of use. And this is the thing that the grand uh, cloud, and I love your joke, the cloud is just someone else's computer. It is. But this is the great thing about the cloud is that we have instant access to everything and you don't have to have, oh, I don't have one of those players. I don't, I don't have, I used to have one of those players and now I don't. No, just boom. MCC Now, Mc, McNow, MCC Now. McNow, yeah. Asks... <laughs> If we've ever thought of pulling stills from some of our 4K shots and selling them, or better yet, a coffee table book, or mm. how about like a calendar? Yes, but who's going to do that work is my question. <laughs> what a great idea. Yes. I don't know who actually curates that. And as far as sales, yeah. who knows? Who knows? The photo intern is I, showing up. I would love to think they would sell like crazy, but yeah. it would also be a little weird to go to the grocery store and be like, oh, the calendar with all our cool stuff is for sale right there i guess i'll mark leave. down to 50 cents yeah get your coffee table <laughs> book no, it, it'd be print on demand but yeah i don't know how many people would actually do that it'd be very funny yeah. uh there's a uh, i'm sorry i'm back into movies but thank you ray as he, he's asking me as a screenwriter and star wars fan how do i feel about luke skywalker's characterization in the sequel trilogy um okay again trilogy does the whole arc thing as well and they had to struggle with that there's a lot of baggage because of how important Luke Skywalker is to the first three movies. The thing I was boggled by, and I read this multiple times, you had J.J. Abrams, but more importantly, Kathleen Kennedy, who's been a great producer for a long time since working as an assistant for Spielberg with Raiders. So um, she was in charge of Lucasfilm. She was handpicked to take Lucasfilm and to do the new series. And they hired three great filmmakers, and Rian Johnson doing the second one, the second of the three new films, the Ray films. And Rian Johnson is an amazing filmmaker. If you've not seen the movie Looper with Bruce Willis... Joseph Gordon-Levitt, do yourself a favor and watch it as soon as possible. It's a fantastic movie. He's a great filmmaker, also did Knives Out. But he gets hired to do a Star Wars movie, which I was very excited about. But apparently, unlike Marvel and Kevin Feige, and this is a place where I think Lucasfilm made a mistake, they didn't say, this is the plot line for these three movies. They gave these talented filmmakers and said, we're going this kind of direction, but you pick your path. Mm. And so Rian Johnson writes what is a very controversial progression spoiler alert uh end of luke luke skywalker and then at the end of that movie (laughs) so much of the audience was disappointed that jj abrams and there's other reasons why he came back for the third one whole other mass mess he ends up having to kind of clean it up by retreading so much stuff to make the third one satisfy people i mean this is the problem with with online uh raging audience culture is that we we kill creativity sometimes i think rian johnson did really cool things but I'm surprised they allowed it because it was taking the the whole franchise in a direction that was difficult for them to recover from. So I like him and his choices, but I think he probably should have been told to not in some of the, the Luke Skywalker stuff in order to progress it in a different way. Let's switch subjects to architecture. Got a question okay, from Brian great. Stamp asking me if I had the opportunity to design my own home. Would I? If so, what style would you go with? Yes, I would. I would love to do this. Of course, I don't know with what money that I would. However, I would love to. I've actually kind of dabbled before, but there's actually an architect and a builder in Salt Lake City named Ezra Lee. As a matter of fact, Chance and I have had a lot of discussions about furniture pieces and design in general, and he's a big fan. I think he actually brought Ezra Lee to my attention, but EzraLee.com and the architectural style in there is not... 
so modern that it's cold. It's not so modern and crisp that it's unfriendly. <clears throat> it's still warm and modern and s- soft enough that I think it will be timeless. Really like a lot of the, the mostly residential homes, but a lot of the houses from, from the Ezra Lee portfolio is just amazing. And I like that kind of style. You know, it's, it's all very functional, but still it's not quirky. Quirky is the wrong word. It's just, it's very unique, but still that, you know, offshoot is very functional and great idea and kind of pushing boundaries with materials. So yes, I absolutely would. But every time I talk to somebody who has built a house, okay. They say, I'll never do that again after having to choose all the tile. And Every the single person I've talked to. Faucets yeah. and the, you know, they're like, yeah. I'll never do that again. And then, of course, they build their third house. And like, what are you This is a Park doing? City disease. But they still come yeah. out of it like falling across the finish yeah. line because it cost more and it was frustrating and the number of questions like, and all that Why would you do stuff? that yeah. to yourself? But yeah. on the other hand, the opportunity to do something like that. But the problem is, is that a forever house? Is that long term? Is mm. this like I'm going to die in this house and I'll live here for 60 more years or whatever? <laughs> or is this like, you know, I want to design it to be sold and make some, I don't know. I'm not a flipper, but yes, I would design a house. I just, the problem is I don't know how long I'd stay. There you go. There you go. There's so many, there's so much great stuff in here. Yeah, this is. Uh, There's, um, there's a lot of questions that have been covered at other places in other uh, car debates. Back to episode 52, if you want to hear kind of where we grew up and our origin story, neither one of us, actually I grew up in Texas, so no fun roads around there. Uh, People are asking about, uh, okay, here we go. Superman, Batman, Iron Man. Favorite method of transportation. Oh, I guess, actually, you're at, no, you're asking a car question. That doesn't count. I thought you were saying, which do we prefer? <laughs> oh, I, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm throwing that one out. Sorry about it. We got close. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, so that's, that's a good one. Um, the professor there, uh, said, hello it. from New Zealand. Uh, that's cool. Really yes, appreciate you. you watching. Thanks for joining us. Let's see. Our Diamond asks, if you could buy an 80-inch 8K TV to view any oh. piece of art or one good painting, what would you do? What would we choose? I have it. Mm. It's really interesting. It is a painting by John William Godward from 1895 called Mischief and Repose. The original is actually hanging in the Getty in Los Angeles. Okay. And it's fascinating because of all the different materials that are rendered. It's two ladies laying there on some marble, but there's fur and marble and flesh with linen over it and all these different materials under the same lighting conditions Mm. rendered with a single brush and all the same paints. And you can feel the different textures. You feel the cold marble, you feel the lint, you feel the animal fur and the velvet Mm. drapes. Mm. And it's, you know, an 1895 style, but the composition is fairly interesting, but I love it because of the materials and the artist was able to use just, I mean, not one brush, but still just all the same paints. Yeah. And they're so different. It's fascinating to look at. So that would be, I, I it's weird. I, I like contemporary art, but that would be the one piece that I just, I really enjoy. Andre, I'm going to try to answer your question quickly, which is going to be hard. He said, what makes a $50 million movie harder to make than a $5 million movie? It comes down to the risk factor and the marketing factor. Your typical $50 million movie is a romantic comedy or a drama that adults are going to go to. Not teenagers, not little kids, not people looking for an action movie. The $50 million movie is typically talking heads. It is stars, possibly stars with big uh, salary requirements, talking to each other, having a drama. But the problem is 
that means that the people that need to go to that movie are not the people that binge watch anything. Titanic was Star Wars for 12-year-old girls. It was, which is why that was so successful. Star Wars is Star Wars. That's 12-year-old boys are watching it over and over and over and over and over. That's what makes these things successful. Okay. You, you want people, I hate to say it, but people 40 years old and older or retired folks to come to your talking head movie that costs $50 million. But the problem is $50 million is just to get the movie made. Most movies have at least, again, their budget, sometimes two or three times their budget. On a $50 million movie, it's probably going to be at least $100 million in marketing. Now, that still a, blows me If you away. make a $300 million movie, it may only have $150 million in marketing, which is less than the movie cost. But a $50 million oh, movie, gosh. just the typical marketing program is probably around $100 million worth of marketing. So now the movie costs $150 million. Will enough adults show up once to make it worthwhile? And the answer, sadly, is probably not. You make a $5 million movie, it, it played at Sundance, or you made it for one. A studio will take a risk on that. They'll buy it for 10 They'll market it for $20 million. We have $30 million into it total. And it falls on its face, and we lost $30 million, and we go, who cares? You make a, Who thinks like this? This is film studios, my friend. You make a $250 million movie, and you market it to $250 million. You spent $500 million on the movie. But if it makes a billion, and that's the thinking. I mean, if we talked about cars in those kind of terms, I know. people would say, who are you people? I know. What's wrong with this you? This is your typical day at a, at a development Hi. meeting on a film studio. I wish it was different, but it's not. We've got a question from Liz McEnnis, and Leanne says she seconds that. And Liz's question is that we're both the voices and faces of Everyday Driver. How mm. many employees are behind the scenes? Mm. Well, Chance Hales is our... He wears many hats. Yes. He is a primary photographer and videographer and editor and assistant editor and uh, what else? He wears he, – he's on here, so <laughs> – Hey, hey, Chance, I need you to do this for me. He, that's the yeah, chances of the other end of that. And he's he got an incredible really hard eye for, for, it's great. for color and composition and yeah. photography, and so he's been with us a long time and really appreciate his work. So a lot of the work you see is, is that. And then we also have writers on everydaydriver.com. So mm-hmm. all of our written articles, we've got a really talented team of writers – and there's all kinds of different articles, a lot of different takes on the, the automotive world and how mm-hmm. cars have affected mm-hmm. these guys. So those, so about, what, six or so behind about the six scenes? six guys. I mean, th- here's the thing. You have to also know, uh, Liz, this, this, here's the part of it. Chance works with us full-time. Paul and I are full-time. Chance mm-hmm. is full-time. Everybody else that helps us helps us in their free time or for a little bit of compensation, depending upon what they're doing. Occasionally, we'll bring in an additional editor or two for, like, we're buried. We need an ed- an edit on this project. We'll hire somebody freelance. Uh, Mandy helps us like crazy with the marketing and the t-shirts and all that yeah, kind of I, stuff. I want to talk about Mandy yeah, because yeah, def- she sets up our events. She, she does so much behind the scenes that Todd and I don't even know about. Let's put it that way. I mean, getting the t-shirts done and the events sure, handled yeah. and everything coordinated stuff I'm terrible at. And she's really good at spreadsheets that I, I hate spreadsheets. <laughs> You're right. That's fair. Like, okay. You hate yard work with fiery mm-hmm. white hot suns. I hate Excel. I cannot stand it. It's funny because I Excel I doesn't bother me, but I, I know it, it really gets under your skin. I know it can does. Can I yeah. draw you a little chart? <laughs> I'll just sketch it out for you, and you'll get it right. But then I can't change it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Well, but also then then my wife handles some of the admin and has always been the person behind the scenes help, helping us set up the European pilgrimage. So we have people that have like a specialty for us. But Chance is the only full time person, and he's awesome. Game Bear asks me, what's my favorite distillery mm. and have I visited before? No, I haven't been to any distilleries, if you can believe it. That's, I, I can't believe it, to be honest. I, but yeah. uh, Highland Park is my go-to. It's my favorite. There's some distilleries in Japan that I would really like to go to, but I, I, 
Brooklady is actually probably my favorite because of their variety from rocket fuel to you know non PD drinkable things. So I I probably Brooklady, but I have not been there. I need to travel. There, man, the, we could almost do an entire movie podcast. I'm not going to do it. A couple of you have asked for stories from my dad and his Corvette C6, and my dad's probably watching. But I will say, here's the update on the C6. He said to me recently, he said, I can't believe I still own that car. Because when he bought it, so cool. then there was kind of the, the so not cool. the buyer's regret, but the, I really have this car. I really spent that money on it. Am I going to drive it enough? There was all those questions in the first six months. What I think is the best part about it now that I applaud my dad and my mom for this. But when my dad bought it, he specifically bought an automatic mm. because he decided he, he, as much as he knows how to drive stick and he knew that I could teach my mom, he was like, I don't want your mom to be the least bit apprehensive to just get in and drive it. And now when they take it somewhere, she does about 75% of the driving and she loves it and she wants him to keep it. I, I mean, think at, they at some point they'll probably get rid of it. But, but my dad, I think would be like, all right, I had my Corvette thing, but my mom's like, we need to take the Corvette out again. And I'm going to yes. tell them, I'm going to shame them publicly. Oh. They need to take a road trip in the Corvette. Anytime a road trip comes up, they're like, no, but we should take something else. I'm like road trip. It's got this cavernous back on yes. it. Go road trip yes. in the vet. They said to me, well, I don't know if the seats will be comfortable. Enough. I, I, my answer to that was, so stop. So drive 100 miles and stop for a bit. I mean, you end up in the Corvette on Million Dollar Highway. That's just better. Just better. <laughs> it is. It is. I agree. Mark Coopers asks, he says, watches aside, do we collect any knickknacks like ceramic figurines, wood carvings, paper art, bobbleheads? What do we collect? <laughs> Let's see. Tools. I collect tools. And probably matchbox cars, Hot Wheels, all that kind of stuff. I, I love getting that stuff. And I, I've got all the different scale ratios and different sizes yeah. it's not the biggest collection ever but it's very curated and i, I of course it is various things but yeah back to cars um let's see we've got oh the everyday driver distillery tour of scotland that's funny actually scotland is one of those places i desperately want to drive but now yeah, we're venturing towards cars so todd no. collects backpacks i do accidentally yes i collect bags yeah, just like, bags in this, general, this right? This bag has this really cool pocket that I, I, like, I look at the zipper. I, yeah, who cares? I've got cares? We, literally we've got like the 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 water heater closet in our house has hooks for backpacks. Every time I open, I'm like, why do I have this many? Yeah, every time you open it, I ask, why do you have that many? Yeah, that, which is an appropriate question. Absolutely, <laughs> What's in yeah, there? Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> we could do some camping. I have the bag. Yeah, for sure. There's some right. camping going on now. Let's see. Apparently, the Kentucky Bourbon Trail is awesome. Mandy can second that. She has done that, I believe. Two uh, TH has asked me about Dune. Um, the short answer is uh, Dennis Villeneuve is unbelievably good. And when I heard he was doing Dune, I was like, "Bring that on!" Now, what I'm most surprised about is the fact that there was a movie that stopped and didn't finish because they told half the story. And okay. I cannot believe that they spent all the money and all the effort to make half of the story without even having a green light to do the second part yet. I just, no part of my brain makes that make sense. Thankfully, they are doing a second part, but because they had to like close down production and re-ramp, it's going to be a couple of years before it comes out. I thought it was the version of Dune that probably should have been done. However, the issue being that since it was only half of it, and they kind of, they, they never really told us this is half. They just went, the movie Dune is coming. And so I'm sitting there kind of knowing the storyline, kind of looking at my watch going, um, or in this case, my phone because I don't have a watch. I kept thinking, uh, this movie's been really long. and we Metaphorical aren't, watch. We aren't very far into the story yet. 
and we should be getting there faster. And I was there with my son who was trying to hang on. Uh, so I really like it. I think it's amazing. I just kind of wish they would have planned both from the beginning so we could have the full arc. Joe M. asks how many speeding tickets we've both gotten, but we cannot answer any car questions on this podcast. So save that for the next one. We will, we will talk about that. That's excellent. I like it. We're doing all the, uh, the non-car questions. What else here? Did we cover the stuff on social media? We've covered a good number Discord. of them. Yeah. I did cover yeah, the yeah. watch questions mm-hmm. on Discord, so there's that. Yeah, I, we have Chance has misnamed it. We have the Wonder Bag. We have the Wonder Bag on shoots. Do we have to bring because this up? Because it is a here's the thing. It is a heavy duty bag of mm-hmm. nylon that is like the carbon fiber equivalent of nylon for all the sharp bits. And it's a bag that the sharp bits don't poke through. And I think that's amazing. That's why I call it the Wonder Bag. We went through like three yeah. other bags that stuff was in, and it just perforated all of them. And I bought this bag, and that bag's like, nope, which is great. The other thing is Charge Village. It's all the, uh, Charge the Village. stuff yeah. that gets plugged in after mm-hmm. a day's shoot in somebody's hotel room. Yep. And it's like... <laughs> you can, it's like the 12 or 15 the, slot The meter thing. on the back of the hotel turns into a ceiling fan. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> They're excited to see me leave. Yeah. Let's see. Revs Up asks, what would we do if the show bought the winning ticket to Powerball? <laughs> there would be quite a car collection. More exotic cars. But more of this. No, actually, I, wouldn't, I still wouldn't do that. No. I still can't t- do that. Yeah. I, we're, we're answering car questions. We we're are. talking about cars. But you know what? It would be, would be philanthropy. I have hmm. a strong desire for the show somehow to do philanthropy and buy cars for people in need. That'd I just cool. don't know how to avoid fraud and hmm. misuse of something like that. You know, I don't know how to identify with, sure. you know what I mean? Without and, and if we, people abusing that mm-hmm. and I want it to just be anonymous and mm. no credit here, just helping people in need. And I'd love it if it were a car, you know, cause people can rarely afford new cars, yeah. you know, and yeah. people in need. And so I would love the show to be able to just, I would love to do that too. We've actually, we've actually talked about this a little bit. And one of the things is we realized we could never, Put out a, you know, so send us your submissions because it would be, we're yeah, constantly exactly. reading these how, tearful how you, stories. How do you decide yep. the person that get that we can't possibly do that? If you're right, if there was a way to do it anonymously, that would be very, very cool. I'd like that. Granted, yeah. that would be after post winning the lottery because that is happening to win currently. First, but then, yeah, yeah. That, that's, there's that whole thing. Yeah. Let's see. <laughs> Chance is going to take a picture of Charge Village. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's just it's just a sea of wires. It's it's and it, and it ends up in somebody's hotel room and you end up tripping over in the middle of the night. It's awesome. It's really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Peated or non-peated whiskey. Also, <laughs> there are great distilleries in Brooklyn. There are. That's good to know. I'm glad to hear that. I am a peated guy, but I do like the non-peated Japanese whiskeys. I admit to that. So a little bit of both, but I do lean towards the light peat. So. Okay, I'm back to white noise over easy, here. Easy drinking. Anyway, somebody is actually asking me because I don't drink alcohol, and I and I don't because I've just never enjoyed it. So, what is my soda of choice? Cherry Coke. I've been through many. I had a, I had a, a decade or so where Mountain Dew you had a went Mountain into Dew me phase, in like, like fire hose amounts. Yeah, but that is behind me. And now, when when I have soda, it's typically Cherry Coke. If I can pick exactly what I want, it's that. Let's see, what else? Uh, are we going to sell the jackets again from Sniper GT on Discord? Mm. We'd like to. I'd like to do another round of hats. We need to do another the round really, of caps. The nice the good caps. ones, yeah. 
And uh, be limited edition. We need yeah, to do those. Maybe edition. we should do that for Christmas time. That might make some sense. Yeah. Yeah. The, the 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 issue with the jackets is the jackets are not inexpensive, and we have to make a pretty limited run. But I appreciate the request, and now would be the time. So I do hear you on that. Yeah, for sure. We're at the top of the hour, and this has yeah. flown by. I'm looking for any last questions that we haven't <laughs> gotten to. I'm scrolling back up at the top here. So um, Liz is asking if on any YouTube podcast we might actually show the first Everyday Driver episode and critique it live. Liz, really, it's it's hopefully only gotten better since. Must we actually walk through it? <laughs> must must we t- take that pain and share it? Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, and. Uh, Riray is actually asking about the Last of Us TV show on HBO. Am I interested? Uh, because the the game was mentioned on the podcast discussing my book. I I did not play that game, and I had and I was concerned that people would compare it to that, and would also compare it to Cormac McCarthy's The Road. And first couple of people that read it, Nate specifically, unbeknownst to him that these were my concerns, called out both of those in his review, and I went, oh, no. You were but sweating that. I was really sweating it, but he felt like I, I found my own way, even though it, it, fe- it had pieces that, that was reminiscent of those things, which makes me very intrigued by The Last of Us. I'm amazed that they're taking that video game and making an HBO-quality serial show about it. That's fascinating. I have had some vague discussions about trying to get Paper Father made into a TV show. I think that would be the best way to execute it. Who knows if that'll happen, but we'll see. Okay, last question for me here from Dale, Evil Tangents, asking very much uh, way back up at the top here, who suffers more, Todd having to eat vegetables or Paul having to drink bad booze? <laughs> Life is too short to drink bad booze, I okay. feel like. But, bad, but good booze doesn't have to be expensive. You can find you know good, reasonable price. But I have seen Todd eat vegetables. I, it, it occurs, yeah. Like rarely, but it I occurs. have witnessed mm-hmm. this. I didn't film it, but you know. <laughs> Crazy things, crazier things have occurred. Uh, Steve is saying after four road trips, and actually we're just about to do south, if not Park City, where? And to be honest, I, what I am amazed by, and I, and I feel very blessed by the fact that we live here, I, I can't believe that we get to go to cool places and then we return to Park City and go, yeah, I'm going back to Park City, which is unbelievable. There was a lot of stuff in Montana right. that I loved. There was a lot of stuff in the Pacific Northwest that I loved, but I also really like living here. Pretty it's awesome. Pretty cool. We, we have so yeah. much more coming, guys. Uh, thank you for being with us. I cannot believe an hour's just vanished. Thank you for being with us on this. I want to I mention real quick that we have this community on Discord that has a life of its own, and I love it. It really does. Yeah. So if you are a patron, you get to be on the Discord, and, and people have found great friendships and taken road trips and, of course, joined us on road trips as well. But there's a whole community there that is way beyond you and I, and I love that. But it's also very yeah. just welcoming, which I think is really cool. So that's going on. We will continue to, to uh, do the patron calls because if you're at the upper level patron, we do a call with those folks every every month. So that's cool, our, what we call our board member call. There's no actual voting on what we're doing. We just share. But uh, that's the board member call. We have tons more coming to YouTube on both our channels. Remember, it's this one, Test Drive Videos, and the original channel. The original channel is now becoming more curated to our road trips, our long-term ownership cars, and our TV show. And then the yep. Test Drive is the stuff feels more like this podcast, which is why this is going there. Us in a car together, the single car that we're getting sent from all the manufacturers. Thank you to those manufacturers for sending us a constant. We have two cars in the drive right now. Yeah. And, and the drives are snowing in. So we're trying to figure out how we get cars in. I know this is a real Park City problem. So that's going on. Genesis GV60. Yeah. Electric. It's actually yeah, yeah. really cool. Looking forward to driving that. Thank you for your patronage. Thank you for yeah. supporting this. We it's love really what cool. we do. We love sharing it with you. Mm-hmm. We look forward to seeing you on an adventure. Keep in mind, just a, a last reminder here for that uh, February, sorry, November 
Friday, eight, the 18th, November mm-hmm. 18th, 2022 in Austin, Texas. We've got the meetup plan. If you're in the Texas area, come on out, come come see us. We'd love to see you there. And yeah. uh, that'll be the culmination of our fourth road trip. But as Todd has said, we've got plans formulating for next year, for 2023. Yep. We're More very road excited. Trips. And a last reminder that we are, this podcast happens technically three times a week. Two of you and I, we record on Mondays yeah, right. for a Tuesday release and Thursdays for a Friday release for our typical Car Debate podcast. We also have a Wednesday release, which is audio from Test Drive videos that happens as well. So if you are just discovering we have a podcast, hi, they're not all live. They typically <laughs> right. are all audio, but every 25, we'll be right back here doing this, taking your questions, which we love. So thank you guys for that. And uh, we will see you soon. Actually, you'll, you won't see us soon on the podcast, but you'll hear us soon. Leanne listens to all the older podcasts on long drives to San Francisco from Napa. That's cool. Leanne, really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, that's fun. We're looking forward to next time. Cheers, everyone. <laughs>